Hey everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. So this is part two. Think of her as your fairy godmother featuring Dr. Tasha, who is a physical therapist as well as a doula. So just to catch you up to speed, if you haven't listened to part one, I highly encourage you to go back and do so because this episode picks up with a story that I was telling about why it's important to examine your reproductive organs. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's jump in. Exactly. And I'm so happy that you mentioned this because only thing that I can fully remember, um, you know, like how when we were all in elementary school and they did that, uh, that D.A.R.E. program, that drug abuse resistance education. And I remember along with that, they also did just like a general sex ed program speaking about, oh, girls have their monthly periods and potential to get pregnant, wear a condom. But you never hear in uh, rudimentary education, like this is your vagina, this is your penis, this is the structure. You know, even in high school anatomy and physiology, college anatomy and physiology, you were not taught these things because there is, as you said earlier, Joanne, there's such a stigma attached. So the fact that, you know, we don't, we need to know, we need to start tapping into the power that we have to know about mm -hmm. our organs, how they feel, um, is so important to just overall health and wellness. And the reason why I say that is because there was, um, when I was at the hospital setting, I, I came across a... A lady, she was younger than me. She was in her 20s and she had uh, cancer of the vulva and she didn't even know because she she did not examine herself. You know, it wasn't until she went to her OBGYN mm. and, you know, they took a look and the OBGYN was like, wow, did, did you not see what I see? And right. unfortunately, um, she she passed away before she hit her 30s and she was someone of color, you know, and I all, all of this. And this is why, you know, I wanted to talk about oh. the importance of the vulva and the self-exam and taking a mirror because these mm. things can happen to you and I, you know, as you mentioned earlier too, Tasha, you know, you have bumps, you have moles, you may have little dots. Like, is that normal for you? Go ahead and check it out. Is it hurting? Is it growing? Is it spreading? Is it changing color? So all of that, all of that right. is so important. Yeah, definitely. You hit on something because um, vulvar cancer, I feel like is not mm -hmm. one of the more widely known. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely something that um, it's important. We, you know, breast exams are all the rage, but right. I'm like, guys, let's mm -hmm. also do our, our vulva exams as well. And, and just body literacy and getting to know more about our bodies and kind of releasing that like you said, there's always something sexual attached to understanding more about our body, but it doesn't need to be sexual. It's just for our health, right? It tells us so much about our overall health, uh, what's going on with, with those parts of our body. So, Right. Well, before we get off the topic of the vagina, let's talk about vaginal dryness. Because um, I feel like, uh, you know, we, we may see stuff on um, TV or in ads about vaginal dryness and they're throwing things at us with what we can use. But before we even get there, what what is vaginal dryness and how can we prevent it before we even get to the point that we do have vaginal dryness and we're using um, 
you know, whatever it is that they're throwing at us on the television to, to fix the vaginal dryness? So vaginal dryness can happen for a couple, you know, many different reasons. There's a, there's a few uh, greater known factors that can contribute that I don't think many people know about. I know a lot of people are familiar with menopause being one of them. And also when you're nursing and, uh, even if you're not nursing or breastfeeding just immediately after baby, because of the changes in estrogen. So hormonal, um, reasons, but also circulation issues could be one of those pain and inflammation in the pelvic area, uh, dehydration and diet can be one of the, mm-hmm. the factors as well. Stress, right. And stress is going to happen, but the way we are, we're managing it, maybe if that's changing pH disruption, tobacco use, uh, medications and chemo is one of them. And also birth control, uh, because of its effect on estrogen as well. So those are just some of the, some of the reasons. So if I'm not knowing about that, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me, you know, but if you look at all those like different lifestyle factors and you may say, oh, okay, a couple of those relate to me and you can, you can make some changes and see if that, if that helps you, right? So circulation, if you have circulation stuff going on, of course, you may want to talk with your primary doctor and see if there's anything with your heart health going on, but just moving and exercising is going to help your circulation, right? drinking more water and being more cognizant of, of your fluid intake of water, mm-hmm. not soda, not sparkling water, regular water, <laughs> a balanced diet that has, you know, lots of good greens and, and veggies and fiber and different things. And, you know, making sure that you're, you're regular and you're pooping well, and, you know, however you want to manage your stress that's healthy as well. And, and things like that. So, you know, just kind of getting, getting those things in order and seeing if that, and that seeing if any of that helps you. I know a lot of people that I see for pelvic floor therapy may not link their birth control use with their dryness. And so I'm not telling you to give up, you know, Mm -hmm. your birth control just to get, but it's, if I tell you that that's a factor, then you can now decide how you may, maybe you want to talk to your gynecologist about different options or things that, and so it's just, it's just understanding everything, right? Because it's not one isolated issue typically, and then seeing what factors you can change and then what factors you're like, you know what, that's, this is going to stay, or this is, is what, you know, I can't change at the time. And so I usually talk with them about, about all of these things, see if any of it applies to them. We see where we can make a little bit of changes. Sometimes if you go to your gynecologist, they may speak with you about estrogen creams and those work for some people. Some people are leery of those, but you can talk with them about the pros and cons of those and, and see if that works for you. There's vaginal moisturizers uh, that people use. Some people just use plain old coconut oil um, while they're working mm-hmm. through, again, what may be the underlying cause of the dryness. And it's something that's harmless, you know, in the meantime, um, while you may get to the root of the problem. Right. You know, people don't realize birth control, how much effect it can have on you. Back in the day when I was taking birth control pills, mm-hmm. I had the same issue. And you know, not only was it causing vaginal dryness, but it was like, it um, caused a dive in my sex drive and all that. And my, my um, PCP, she was like, oh yeah, we got to take you off of this one. Cause that's one of the side effects of this one. 
Um, I can't even remember the one I was on. Um, but yeah, birth control can have so many side Did effects. Did she have any op, uh, any like alternatives like, oh, if you use a different one or, or how did she? Yeah, I did. I use, I got on a low dose okay. one. Okay. Um, and that's the one I had been on for like until I had my first kid. Okay. And then after that, I kind of, I think I went on a mini pill. And then after the second one, I didn't take any pills anymore. Um, cause they were affecting my gut health. So I gotcha. The other thing I wanted to point out as well that slipped my mind earlier when we're talking about dryness is being um, aware of what products you're using on your vulva and vaginal area Mm -hmm. and anything coming in direct. Of course, anything you use on your body, on your skin is going to absorb into your skin, but specifically anything that you use in that area, it's very absorbent and and it'll affect you even more. So when we're talking about um, soaps and intimate washes and tampons and, and pads that are not organic and things like that, those can, those, that chemical exposure can have an effect as well. And I've seen people have good results when they've switched even just their products and, 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 you know, kind of started there and gone to the other areas. Now I'm here thinking what laundry detergent do I use? <laughs> Seriously. Oh my goodness. So seeing that we spoke about the vagina, you know, let's, let's go back. Let's take, let's back up a bit and let's talk about, um, you know, postpartum as well as prepartum, because I'm here, I'm listening to everything that you're saying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, my knowledge related to these things is just very low. And you know, what you don't know can and will hurt you. So how can one prepare a Prepartum as well as a postpartum haven. Mm-hmm. I know you spoke about, you know, the work that a doula does, you know, asking certain questions and basically um, informing you of, hey, this could happen, theoretically speaking. What is your plan? So, how can one further prepare prepartum and postpartum wise that haven? Yeah. So, I think um, one thing to know is there's so much preparation around you know, a nursery and a shower and you know mm-hmm. all of those fun, don't get me wrong. All that stuff is so much fun to see and do and not enough people prepare for the after portion. And maybe it's because they don't know. So they don't know what to, what to prepare for. But I like to look at as many details as I can. And it's not to overwhelm anybody, but it's like, at least if we've had this conversation, it's in your mind and we can decide if it's something you want to think about now or not, but nothing's going to surprise you, surprise you, you know, in that sense. So I look at, are there other siblings in the house? Are there elderly or sick parents or anybody else that we need to take care of? Are there pets? Right. So I come home with a baby. Maybe it's my third baby. That means my older children they're going to need support as well. So thinking about who's going to help out with them, who's going to take them if they're old enough to go to school or activities or whatever, or even who can be with baby while I spend time with them or vice versa. So that, you know, I'm kind of still getting that time because that is something that comes up, right? They're kind of like, oh, mommy, they get a little jealous or whatever, because they're they're just understanding how the dynamics are going to change. So it's keeping them in mind and thinking ahead on that sense. 
your leave, if you work for an employer instead of working for yourself, and even if you work for yourself, there's things to consider. But if you work for someone else, how much time do you have off? How much of that time is paid? Mm. Is your health insurance, does your health insurance and all those things go along with that? Or do you have to start paying out of pocket at a certain point for that? Because I've mm-hmm. seen that happen as well. And people are not prepared for it. And it can be very jarring. Um, food wise, what are we going to eat in the in the early weeks? I'm not going to if I'm the one that normally prepares the food, and I've just had mm-hmm. a baby, who else can I delegate that to? Can we do a meal train? can mom or dad drop off something, neighbors, church friends, whoever is your village, whoever are the people that show up for you, you know, who can help us with that cleaning house duties, any of those things, right? So that we don't have you three days postpartum taking out the trash. So we don't want that, right? But if we don't think about it ahead of time, guess what? It can fall onto you and then you feel like you should. And so Mm -hmm. the other things are just physical mental, emotional support for the, for the person who gave birth. So who can be there for them in those ways, you know, um, lactation consultant, do we, we should have that number on call. Maybe I'll never use it, but I want that resource ready. Someone in my area that will come to my home. So I don't have to leave that I can use if I do run into an issue, because if I'm having trouble feeding, the last thing I want to have to do is Google and look at reviews and figure out, and I wanna already have that ready. Same thing with maybe a chiropractor or a physical therapist or a mental health provider, even if I want a massage, which you should get body work after baby, right? So I like to make a resource list for all my families of people that are close by and to their location that, that can be available for them. And those are just a couple of the things, but just kind of thinking ahead for, what you're going to need. Again, how do you want to feel after? So we always talk about in my prenatal sessions, how do you want to feel during birth? But I also want to know, how do you want to feel after? Are you a person that's going to miss people being around and kind of want more company? We can make sure you have company. Or are you a person that's like, after I give a baby, after I give birth to a baby, I just kind of want it to be me and, and the baby and just bond. And so setting up that environment after that is going to help you heal and recover and bond and, and, and everything that you need to do that's going to make you feel good. That's what we want to do. And we want to also make sure that you can do things that bring you joy as well outside of this new life um, <laughs> because it's important too. And, and I want to add that we already know this, that um, the U.S. is not postpartum friendly. The U.S. is not postpartum friendly and the leave that they um, give mothers uh, as a country, you know, after they've had a baby, um, you know, a, a lot of the developed countries out there are doing, you know, six months, three months, just like off the top. And while we're here begging for six weeks, um, but the other part is that, you know, we don't have that village, that village culture is not something that we've seen. So it's not being passed down the line. I I don't see that at all. Um, And I have it because I'm Haitian American and growing up Haitian and having my mom still be around, thank God, to be able to to have been there for all five of my kids and to provide that support that I've had, um, you know, somebody to cook, to clean where I can't do any of that stuff. That in itself just helps with the mental aspect of everything else. Because if I didn't have that, mm-hmm. the stressors that I would have immediately coming home after having a baby, 
would just catapult me probably into postpartum depression because <laughs> I, I wouldn't know where to put myself with four other kids. And my mom was here, you know, and she was able to help me because school was still in session with the kids. She helped me iron. You know, we, we um, talked about what do I want to eat? You know, my first postpartum meal, like she, I mean, she's, she was very detailed because that's how she was raised. That's how they, that's what they do in Haiti. Like I couldn't even go downstairs. I had to sneak downstairs. <laughs> I was like, I'm sneaking downstairs just so I can see what's going on in my own house. Um, that at night after she went to sleep, because she didn't want me to go downstairs because you need to be resting. You need to be recuperating. And all you need to be doing is feeding this baby and feeding yourself. And I've read many different articles and, you know, of, of other Caribbean countries and Asian countries doing the same thing where, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about mom recuperating mm-hmm. and getting herself ready to be able to ta- take on life and not just going from this to that. Um, I love that she did that for you. That's amazing. Cause that is rare. It is rare. Let me tell you in the U S like you said, that does not automatically happen here at all at all. <laughs> if someone doesn't have that support system, like Joanne, is there, cause you know, I consider you as someone that has resources too. Do you know of any people that do that postpartum that just come and help the mom clean cook? So forth, so on. Yeah, that's a postpartum doula. That's what a postpartum doula does. So, gotcha. Yeah, so it's amazing. So, that is exactly what I do for some folks or help them find someone if they need hours that I don't have. Um, so, that we can kind of bring, we, can, we have to create that support where we may not have that natural family support mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, some mm-hmm. people per, uh, would like to have like a night nurse and that's a great help too. Like I said, or the postpartum doula right. that can come in and yes, fill in a lot of those gaps because you should not be up doing everything you were doing prior. You just shouldn't. I'm so sorry if that mm-hmm. offends people, but that is, that is not what should be happening. And so definitely, I like to pull in a lot of support for people in that way. Or if there's certain stuff, like some people will say, oh, my mom's really good at cooking, but she may not want to help the kids with homework and do this. And and then we'll get somebody who can do that other stuff. So we, you know, we find and we fill spots and and you may have different friends or um, like I said, neighbors or coworkers who have strengths that you don't. And it's perfect because you need them in this time and they can come over and fill in gaps and do different things. And it's perfect. So it's about being okay with people helping you and, you know, drawing upon all these, these people that love you so much that want to be there for you. People love love to Mm -hmm. to feed a new, you know, a new mama and the family and and come in and do different tasks and and they get joy from it because, you know, they're helping out. Right. And you saw that mom that went viral recently because she posted that she has a night nurse or a night for her newborn where she's like starting at eight or nine o'clock at night. I'm, you know, the doula takes over and, you know, that's it for me. I'm in a bathtub taking a bath. I get to sleep until, right. And I think it's for each to each his own. Like for me, I want to be with my baby. Um, that's my mental health, uh, security, like being with my baby all the time and you can take care of everything else, like the cleaning and the cooking and all that stuff. 
But for her, mm-hmm. that's what she felt like she needed for her mental state, for men, her mental health. She felt like she needed to have a good night's sleep. And I feel like if you got it, do it. She got the money to spend it. I couldn't money. believe that people came after her that way. I'm like, how can you tell her what she needs? Right. Like, whatever she needs is what she should have. Right. And that's the end of the story. And that might be different for you, but mm-hmm. it's not your place. to. I couldn't believe that, how people came after her. And I, in my opinion, I don't think they would have come after a white woman like that. You, you could be right. You could absolutely be right about that. You know that? I didn't think about it that way. So I was even more furious. I'm like, let this black mama thrive in the story whatever she needs stop it stop it do not hound her no <laughs> absolutely oh my god so so yeah. as we are in the postpartum world here in this conversation let's talk about snapback culture now i feel like snapback culture have gotten a little bit better because we've been talking more about body positivity in the last few years as opposed to when i first had a baby um, um, 11 years ago, um, is my oldest, my oldest, he's 11. I feel like we've gotten better, but it's still there where I see people are talking about, um, snap backing at six weeks or three months or whatnot. And, you know, I have my own preference as to what I, I know my body can do. And I've talked about this a little bit with some uh, on Instagram, with some of my followers, mm-hmm. with questions that they've asked me, um, in regards to my weight loss and all that stuff. And I know, I feel like when it's a first timer, like a first um, time mom, you don't know what your body does. So you may not want to, you may, it may drive you nuts. Like, oh my gosh, when am I going to lose this weight or da, 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 da. But for me, I know what Mm -hmm. my body does. My body really latches on to all the weight that I've gained when I'm breastfeeding. And it takes about 10 months, 10 months to a year. And that's how long it took me to gain that weight. And that's how my body works. And I know that's how my body works. So I don't worry about snapping back, quote unquote. I don't even know what, what they, they really mean by the snapping back. Like we're supposed to just like pop a baby out and snap back. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit on your um, side, when it comes to a doula, how much effect that has on somebody's mental health. And, and as a physical therapist, is snapping back even something that is, um, I'm not going to say not that your body's not able to do, but like, how does your body work when it comes to you having a baby postpartum and how the weight is being lost physically? Let's talk about that. So everyone is different, right? Literally mm-hmm. everybody's different, even in pregnancy, right? So somebody at 16 weeks, right. you, you stand two people next to each other. They can even be sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Same. Right. 16 weeks, 16 weeks, they're going to carry it differently. There's going to be different things happening and they're going to look differently. And so we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to anybody else. Uh, you said something that was really important. You said, it takes me about 10 months or so. That's how long it took to grow the baby. Exactly. So in mm-hmm. my mind and, and what we know as far as healing and recovery on the inside, because unfortunately everybody's looking at what's happening on the outside of someone's body, Mm -hmm, but it's like a minimum of a year to really, truly what we say, recover from the inside out, all of those different structures and all of those different things that have changed and adapted and expanded to grow the baby and then release and deliver the baby. 
there's no reason why we should be, you know, promoting this. Oh, at three weeks postpartum, she's, you know, throwing right. 100 pounds over her shoulders. And it's like, I don't like that push to let's see who can do the most the soonest. I'm not telling you right. to lay in the bed and do nothing for four months, but I just mm-hmm. feel like it's gotten a little out of control as far as mm-hmm. what it's just like, let's prove, you know, and I just, I don't like that because it is really damaging to, to people's mental health, like you said. And I think there should just be mm-hmm. a little bit more of a realistic picture being painted as far as, like you said, comparing to how long it took to grow the baby and just thinking about everything that's had to change in order for that to occur and just allowing your body to heal up from the inside out. What activities were you doing before? And let's see how to, mm-hmm. to um, safely ease back into those activities. And that's where pelvic floor therapy is great because we can work with you on getting back and progressing back into those activities in a, in a manner that's, that's safe for you. The way that you mm-hmm. delivered and the circumstances of your delivery has a lot to do with it as well. So there isn't even any standard. It really has to, you know, if you had a major tear, if you had, um, you know, a C-section maybe instead of thinking you thought you were going to have a vaginal and at the last minute they needed to do. So there's so many things that come into play. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just understanding that, you know, we're all different and we have to give our bodies grace and truly allow them to heal and, and, and not comparing Mm -hmm. ourselves to others and not pushing that, like, you know, who can do the most of that. I just really, really am disheartened when I see that. And I just wish we could just lift each other up and be like, your body just had a baby. It's beautiful throughout the journey and along the way. And it doesn't have to be about, I can't wait until I get back to right now. I love my body in a month from now, wherever I am, I love my body. You know, I just, I love my body and I cherish my body along the way of my journey. And I just want, right. and what, that. And- and, and it's not, I feel like the media, they just continue to perpetuate. And it's not to say that some people do, like they, whatever weight they gain, they lose it immediately after they've had the baby. And again, everyone is different. I think it was recently Sierra had a baby. Was it last year? And I saw an article that was like um, Sierra's uh, six weeks snapback picture, da, 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 something like that. And I'm like, that is perpetuating this idea mm. that we're all going to look like this at 16. Right, right. You're not. Yeah, yeah. Jenna Fumes had the same thing as well. Remember I sent you that on? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. and, I, and I was like, is this? And I was like, nah, that ain't, that ain't everyone at all. Exactly, exactly. People are afraid to eat because of the fact that they are comparing themselves to what they're seeing out there and you don't know hunger until you're a breastfeeding mama okay <laughs> that hunger hits differently <laughs> okay it Feed does yourself because that hunger at one month postpartum that hunger hits so different i've never Feed eaten yourself. so much in my life <laughs> <laughs> yes you have to have that that little uh cart or little basket of, of snacks all that you know to just make okay. sure because you get trapped like you you nerve they fall asleep and you're like i need a snack <laughs> right they fall asleep and you're like oh shoot i can't move because if i move 
he's gonna cry and then we're gonna start this process all over again oh yeah you're like I need some somebody needs to bring me as an act right <laughs> and I had my mom here for 45 days praise the lord that lady was right. feeding me all the time plates of rice and cornmeal like it was awesome what did your mom Ooh, this is just me being curious what did your mom make you for your milk supply is there something special um, so Haitians believe in the papayas. They do believe in the papaya and the um, milito. I, I, I don't even know what it's called in English. The Because, um, you know, I got postpartum uh, memory right now, too. <laughs> but like, um, so for me, I praise God, don't have any milk issues. Like my milk comes and it comes in um, strong. But for postpartum meals, like she'll feed me like rice and beans and what we call legume, which is a mixture of a whole bunch of vegetables. And my mom liked to make hers very colorful and full of, um, you know, all kinds of vegetables. So we'll have the green papaya in there. We'll mm -hmm. have the militon, which is, um, I don't know why the name, the English name, uh, uh, I can't remember it, but we'll have collard greens. We'll have bell peppers. We'll have like a, a whole bunch of like goodies mm. in there. And I was like, and my mom, she's vegan now. And so I was pretty much vegan for the whole two, three weeks postpartum that she was still here because she was the only one cooking and I didn't make any meat. And I, I'm more plant-based than I eat meat anyways. So it wasn't really like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm craving meat. But it was, it felt great to not have anything but plant products in my body postpartum it did I bet pretty good Ooh, yum. I mean she had like every morning I would have um labui banan which is plantain labui plantain porridge I'm, I'm speaking creole too like y'all understand what I'm saying <laughs> plantain porridge which is kind of like um uh, uh like what you would have with oatmeal like what oatmeal and cream of wheat would be considered like a breakfast cereal but it's a plantain it's a um uh, uh, a tuber porridge so it's made with either you can make it with different um tubers but we use um plantains which is not a tuber but we use plantains um to make our our labui in the morning oftentimes so my mom was making that for me every morning um just about she was making papaya juice all the time nice. so it was it was a mixture of a whole bunch of Haitian dishes that she had going up in this house and it was absolutely delicious and all I'd, and then she would feed me like I'm like where's this lady think who's about to eat all this food and I would eat it too I would Aww. eat it that's lovely I find that interesting because I remember too, Joanne, you would you would post your pictures on Instagram of your breakfast and you're like, who is going to eat all of this food? <laughs> oh so I, I found that interesting. But yeah, nutrition is important. It is definitely important because you're not only feeding yourself, your body is making it's making nutrients, you know, for yeah. this newborn. So that it's just amazing. The female body is amazing. So Absolutely. I want to talk about the loose vagina myth um I have had a kid but I have been hearing about it I have been hearing about it a lot and I think you you spoke about it earlier that you know the body is going to do what it's going to do and your vagina is not going to be the same as it was when you're 15 but it's gonna you know go back so let's talk about the loose vagina myth 
what isn't, and all of these vaginal rejuvenation procedures, like, are they necessary? So I'll start by saying, if you want to get a surgery or a procedure for yourself, that is your decision. I support you. I don't want to sound like I'm I do think it's important to be informed about what right. you're doing though and know everything that it entails as far as mm-hmm. just the details of every single thing and not just what you think are the benefits. The loose vagina myth um, that I'm sure you've all heard about, I feel is really just an attempt to control. If you have sex with with multiple people, you'll have a loose vagina. And if you, and it's like, are you, is that, is that anatomy and physiology you're referring to? Or are you talking about something moral? And again, people's <laughs> morals are, you know, that's, that's everybody's decision, but let's not lie about the anatomy and physiology, right? So just like mm-hmm. I talked about how the vaginal canal is muscular, mm-hmm. it stretches like a muscle and in and, and it go and it's elastic and it and it goes back as well. Yes, after multiple births and and over time as you age because of hormones, it isn't the exact same elasticity as when you are younger, right? If we compare somebody 20 to 40 to 60 and and so on and so forth. But making people feel shame about their body because of whatever choices that they make or because they've had multiple kids or because they're older is not it's not true and it's not right to do. And so um, the procedures that mm. that they talk about, oh, we're gonna tighten your vagina and and you know, we're gonna improve the look. And again, I feel like quote unquote improving the look and, and things that they do to the vulva and all that cosmetic stuff mm. is really just pe- teaching people not to wow. love what their body looks like naturally. And like I said, everybody's vulva looks different. And so that's okay, but that's not celebrated enough. It's not talked about enough. So people start to compare things they've seen on movies or maybe porn or whatever the case is. And so there's, and so there's that disconnect between like, oh, my body's supposed to look like her or him. And that's why I mentioned when we're doing the vulva exam, not to compare to the pictures, just to, just the structures, just so we know what the structures, where they are and where they go. And so I just think there's just, so much shame around all that. And that's the part that I don't like. Like I said, if you just want to do something and it's in your mind to do, and you understand all the pros and cons around it, then that's fine. Making an informed decision. But, um, but all the talk about, about the loose vagina as a way to shame people is something that I just cannot get behind. I also want to say having a super tight vagina is not good, right? So we need a vagina that will contract and will relax. So um, the muscles of your pelvic floor, we need them Mm -hmm. to do both. If I'm just contracting and tight, 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 that's going to actually cause pain and a lot of other issues as well. So having full excursion and range um, of your muscles is what's important, not something being super, super tight. So I always say like tight is not right. And they talk about with those procedures, they talk about like, oh, we're going to help you have better sex. And it'll also help if you have like strength issues or if you have like incontinence or, you know, if you're leaking or something like that. But pelvic floor therapy can Mm -hmm. help you with continence. Pelvic floor therapy can help you with your muscle strength down there and your control. So what y'all talking about? (laughs) 
we can help you with so much right. of that stuff, tuning into your body and, and figuring out how to improve the coordination and endurance and all of that stuff. And, and being able to contract and relax, which is what we need for an orgasm to occur. So it's just, I don't like the lies. Just tell us the whole truth. Just say, we want to capitalize off of making people feel bad about their bodies or making them feel like they need to compare themselves to X, Y, Z. And then I'm okay. Cause we're all being honest, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I feel like I see it a lot on, um, like the real housewives of Atlanta is where I can remember last seeing somebody talking about, um, going to get like a, and it's, I don't even think it's a procedure that takes long, like the minimal one. I feel like she was just going in there and they were just using some kind of ultraviolet or ultra something. So you see it on, on television, definitely. And people are doing it. So I definitely agree with you, Tasha, do your research before you start doing anything. And it's not to say that we are bashing or saying you should not or, or should do it. Just do your research and everything that you do. I mean, I'm not against any kind of um, anything somebody wants to do to their body. You know, it's, it's up to you um, right. to clarify, because I don't want anybody coming at me, especially my Haitian peoples. Um, and, you know, I have postpartum brain again, but just to clarify, plantains are not tubers. That's not what I was trying to say. <laughs> my brain <laughs> That's not what I was trying to say. It is rarely. If y'all come after her about that, uh-huh. I'm going to get you. <laughs> and it's rare. It's rare that you'll see us making any kind of um, porridge with a tuber, like um, a malanga or a yam or anything like that. I don't think I've seen that. But plantain porridge is what I was trying to say is what my mom made for me every morning. Just wanted, wanted to clarify so y'all don't come at me and say, what is she talking about? What? See, that's sad that you even have to business. You know what you're trying to say. So with that being said, <laughs> Tasha, the physio doula, let people know where they can find you because your profession and the title that you, you've created for yourself is not something that you see all the time. Let people where they know where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at physio doula, P-H-Y-S-I-O-D-O-U-L-A. You can also find me on my website at www.physiodoula.com or you can email me at thephysiodoula at gmail.com. Awesome. And I will tell you guys as somebody who has a newborn right now, check her out because you may need her and you don't even realize that you need her until you've actually done your (laughs) research and are like, dang, this is something that I think I'm going to need after I have this baby. Um, so thanks. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Tasha, for being mm-hmm. on our podcast. And please share, like, uh, tell a friend to tell their friend. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone.